Working Fans Podcast. Cool. Yep. All right, here we go. Coming down three, two. For another week of the Working Fans Podcast, this is AJ, I'm the former wrestler, we've got Dave the Ultimate Fan here with us, as we do every week, our producer Joe may, likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter, that's at FansWorking, Facebook, Working Fans Pod, we've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast, and for any ideas that you might have, that's workingfanswrestlingpod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram, where you can keep up with us at workingfanswrestling underscore pod. And then you can now listen to us on all major platforms, including anchor.fm, we're on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. All right, everybody, it's the Working Fans Podcast with the man they call Dave. And today we have young wrestler Melanie Havoc, who's going to be joining us. And she's going to tell us about her career, her fandom, how she broke in. And first off, Melanie, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, and you? I'm very good. How did you become a fan and aware of pro wrestling? I became, I became a fan back when I was five years old. I was watching wrestling with my dad. So as soon as I was, uh, I was getting into it and uh, I wanted uh, to be a wrestler, like just like this. Who are some of your uh, favorite wrestlers? My favorite one is Undertaker. And ah. All right. Awesome. So now you're a fan. And then at some point you decide, I'm going to try to do this. So how does that come about? Like uh, what's, who ended up training you and uh, how did the process come of breaking into this wrestling business? Well, it's a kid dream. I always wanted to be a wrestler, first of all. So uh, in my mind, it wasn't really possible to do it because it's something really hard to do. And uh, I think it was not unreachable. But I think at 25 years old, I started to have regrets, like not doing it. So I went all in and I started to train at 26 uh, in a wrestling school in Montreal. And I started in 12, I was 27, I think. So, yeah, I started like it was a kid dream. So, uh, and now I'm doing it. I'm doing my dream. That's awesome. That's awesome. What, uh, what school did you go for training? I started, I started at uh, Torture Chamber in Montreal. And now I am with uh, IWS Dojo in Montreal. And I'm still at the same place. Awesome, awesome. Have there been some people who've really helped you along the way so far? Uh, I could say the coaches that I have right now, uh, they are amazing. They, they teach the right stuff to know to uh, be good in the, the business uh, in general. So I would say the coaches right now I have, it's uh, Andrew um, and uh, Mike Bailey. Like right now, he's uh, in uh, Canada in Montreal teaching while this COVID stuff. And it, yeah. they really helped me a lot since I started. Awesome. Now, have you had some matches in uh, empty arena type settings? Yeah, I did. Uh, I did a, a show for the TV uh, without crowd. It's mm-hmm. really, really, really special. I would say I don't want I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this like, you know, I want the crowd to be with us because it's just a big part of the the, the show it's a big it's the biggest part of the wrestling mm. i would say so yeah it's really strange it's really not the same thing i would say there, there's something missing that we need when we rest when, when we wrestle so yeah it's uh it's really different to do it without a crowd i'd imagine i mean it's funny as a fan you know growing up you just you believe in everything, so it doesn't matter. You're just you're hanging on every move, every strike. But as a, an adult, and you're watching this, 
I notice like I can watch MMA with no crowd, UFC events, no crowd, and I'm okay. But with the pro wrestling, I'm hanging on the atmosphere and with no crowd. It's, it's yeah, it's definitely it's missing something. Yeah, it's missing something. It's a different. Uh, diff- if you do it in the indie scene, it's worse because we don't have like the popularity to do it. When we do it, it's uh, it's it's really special. It's it's missing a big part of wrestling. Now, one of the things I always hear uh, a lot of old time wrestlers talk about and stuff is ring psychology. You know, being able to tell a story. Is that something? Would you say is that one of the more challenging aspects of being a pro wrestler? Yeah, that most of the time I would say for the people it is, but there's some people that actually are naturally good at doing it. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, it's really hard to do it because I tend to focus more on just plan a match, doing the right things. Uh, and so the storytelling is like always um, at the end of the process and I should work more on that and I think it comes with experience with time but it's really hard to uh, get to that that point where where you able to just tell a story and to have the character in mm-hmm. when you start it's really hard I would say for me yeah, I mean, I think you hit it on the head. I mean, as a fan, and just life experience personally, anything, it's about reps, right? It's just doing over the process over and over again, and then eventually gets better. Now, what about now, personally, what about, like, say, what would you think came a little easier for you so far? Mic work or the in-the-ring process? It's really hard for me to express myself, first of all. So uh, I tend to focus more on the in-ring mm-hmm. skills matter. And when I will get used to that... I will try to focus more on the mixed skills and doing promos and shit like this. But for now, I'm trying to be just comfortable and just trying to be comfortable doing what I do in the ring. And after I will, uh, I will go with more, of course. Yes. So more reps on the mic stuff, but out of everything, you would say the in-ring skill is what you're taking to the best right now. Yeah, because it's not, it's, the, the promo it's not my strength right now and actually to learn to wrestle it's hard enough so i think it's better to be comfortable in in, in what i can do better and when i will get comfortable i will go with something harder for me like mix skills talking on make promos expressing myself as a character so i will keep that for the end of the process Hundred percent, hundred percent. Sounds good. Now you have a pro wrestling T-shirt. Are you actively involved in helping design your own merch? Uh, I uh, yeah, I try to go to um, independent artists. I want to help uh, some artists that doing that are actually doing a really good good job. And I have ideas. I just give them the ideas and I, I let them free to do whatever they want. And if it's cool, I pay them. And uh, actually, I pay them at the beginning first. <laughs> and yeah. I just take that and I do a T-shirt. I want to have like a lot of T-shirts with different kind of style of uh, anything. I don't want. Now, have you done some modeling and stuff as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was doing modeling before the, the wrestling. And I was doing that uh, in my free time, I would say, for easy eight years. Mm-hmm. But not something I want to do in my life. But I imagine between modeling and pro wrestling, physical fitness and eating healthy is a big part of your life. Yeah, it is. It's really nice. Uh, actually, the fitness, it's way more uh, important for me right now than modeling. But Mixing the two together, it's always something nice and useful, I think, in my life, in my career that I do. It is really useful. Now, I'm guessing you speak French and English. Um, yeah. Are there any other languages you speak as well? No, it's just really uh, French and English. And English, I'm trying really hard, but sometimes I know that uh, I have a strong accent. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, it's great. It's great. You know what? Personally, for me, I like it when somebody comes on here and brings something a little bit different. So even an accent, I think it's great. So it's fine. But I I can tell, I think it's a great thing, too. You're capable of speaking both two languages right now. That's only going to help you in life. 
Yes, so that's yeah, good. Of uh, one of the other things I want to ask you about, too, is there's a saying out there called embrace the grind. Do you find yourself like, you know, like that's something you're going to have to do to be successful, right? You're just going to have to work hard and everything's going to take a lot of time. Right? Yeah. yeah, of course. Uh, mm. It's uh, wrestling. It's just hard work. It's uh, paying your dues. It's doing what you have to do, and especially if you have to, if you want to uh, be in the big companies, you have to work hard. It's mm. it's grinding every fucking day for real. I love it. I love it. You don't hold back. <laughs> I love it. No. <laughs> uh, so, what are some of your goals? Because obviously, it's tough now. I mean, with restrictions. But what are some goals you're hoping to maybe accomplish this year? Uh, yeah, of course, I don't want to do wrestling just for fun because it's a passion for me. It's a dream. So I have goals. I have goals to travel. I wanna. I wanna go to Japan because the wrestling over there is awesome. I wanna go to the USA, of course. I wanna get to to, to the bigger leagues and do something like more. Um, big that I'm actually doing right now. I just I don't want to just you know stay in my country and just doing like little matches and stuff. And just my goal is to get bigger, of course. Absolutely. Now, are there any current female wrestlers that you really like that are out there right now that you enjoy watching? And maybe you, as a as you're getting into business, maybe you watch them differently. You really appreciate certain things they do. Yeah, I would say right now, actually, I really like Chris Statlander. I really like the gimmick, the in-ring skills. She's really amazing. She got a massive charisma. Yeah. But uh, right now, I, I'm i not really a fan. I, just, I would say I, there's a lot of people that I think they are really great. But yeah. I'm, I don't have, like, you know, a favorite one because actually, like you said, I am a wrestler now, so I'm not. I'm trying to not be a mark anymore. Right, 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 right. You get you start to watch it from a different point of view. Exactly. Absolutely, and um, yeah, Statlander is great. I actually saw her live at a couple independent shows. I've seen her do some intergender matches. Uh, have you ever done any intergender matches? Yeah, of course I did. I think it's my favorite kind of matches, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it is because you have to show the world, the the people, the crowd, uh, that you can actually compete against a man and not just against women. You know, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a show, it's a entertainment, and it's I don't know, it's I think it's fun to do it against the men. Yeah, tells a different story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I think that'll be about it for today. Is there anything you want to promote? Your Instagram, Twitter, anything you want to, anything coming up? Go ahead. Floor is yours. Yeah, of course. I have a Facebook page called Milaniavok. It's simple. Instagram is the same thing, Milaniavok. Uh, that's about it. I have my pro wrestling tea um, store, also called Milaniavok. It's the same thing. So that's about it. You can follow me uh, everywhere you want. I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter, by the way. But uh, Instagram, Facebook, pro pro wrestling tea. Also, you can follow me over there. All right, awesome, Melanie. Thank you so much for doing the show. It was a pleasure. I am Zoe Sager, and you're listening to the Working Fans Podcast. All right, everybody, it's the Working Fans Podcast with the man they call Dave. And today we have a special guest, a young lady, just started wrestling recently, and she's going to tell us about some of her experience. Ladies and gentlemen, Zoe Sager. Zoe, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for doing the show. No problem. You're actually the second lady I've interviewed this week who started wrestling from Canada. So this is uh, awesome. Yeah, kind of Canadian Ladies Week here. So love it. <laughs> You've been wrestling for about two years. Yes, right. Just over two years, like yeah. two and a half, maybe. Before we get into breaking in, what was your fandom? Who were you a fan of? What got you into wrestling? What started you out here? It's kind of like a long, shortish story. I watched wrestling as a kid because my dad watched it and like his family watched it and like still obsess over it but then like my family moved a lot and so when my family moved to one of the cities we no longer got like the channel that had wrestling and so I fell out of it for about five years up until we moved to Edmonton which I am now about 2015 and we got cable again we were able to watch the channel and that's when I started kind of getting into it and 
I think the biggest reason, like kind of what drew me in to at least want to be a wrestler was seeing the significant difference that there was be- in the five years that I was, wasn't watching. When I, like the last thing that I remember prior to my hiatus of watching wrestling was like the Piggy James storyline. And like, mm. it never really vibed with me and like, just, oh, maybe not. But then I came back and like the first like pay-per-view that I watched was TakeOver Brooklyn 2. And oh, it was Oscar and Bailey and like, just watching that match, I'm like, this is crazy. Like, these girls can actually go. And, like, there were mm-hmm. girls before that could actually go, but there was so much not great stuff around it that, like, it just pushed their abilities off to the side a little bit. And so I saw that, and I'm like, oh, maybe this is a thing. And it just, like, was in the back of my head for, like, a year. And then finally I'm just like, you know what? There's a school in Calgary. I'll apply. It's only three hours away. If I get in, I get in, and then that's what I'll do. But, like, growing up, it was, yeah, it was just, like, always in my house, <laughs> pretty much. Mm. So, uh, behind the scenes here, a little peek behind the curtain, we recorded a segment earlier today, me and my producer, talking about the top five ladies' matches of all time, just our opinions. Yes. And one of the things we talked about was that, uh, like, we love the older stuff better. We're a little older. But, like, women's wrestling's really gotten better recently. Yes. So, like, we're in the, we're, like, we're in the hype, I feel, the peak of women's wrestling. But what was funny was, like, we were saying this, like, it was literally around 2015 when the whole hashtag Give Divas a Chance movement yeah. started. And our favorite match we kept picking, and a buddy of mine who went to that match, Sasha Bailey, in Brooklyn, and he said, you know, it's one thing to have these the athleticism and the way the matches are put together, but that's the only women's match he ever saw that made him emotionally connected. And they did such a good job with the story and everything that, that he was just so invested. And he said that, you know, it was like, the especially Bailey, they were painting the picture yeah. of it, right. And it's like, so it's funny. That inspired you in a lot of ways, that match there. Yeah, it was, yeah. So that was like a year before I started watching. But then I went back, like, as soon as I, like, saw Bailey. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, my goodness. Like, mm-hmm. Bailey versus Oscar was amazing. This mm-hmm. match is so much better. And like one of my friends, even that's what got her into wrestling was mm-hmm. the Bailey versus Sasha match. And so it's just like crazy. Just out of curiosity, sidebar here before we get back to you. Uh, are you a big Bailey fan? Do you like her work as a heel? Do you watch some of the stuff you know, she's doing now? I am. Like she's pretty much the reason why I got into wrestling, like her specifically. And even like mm-hmm. when I first started, like my first couple months, that's really like working on shows that's really where I got like a lot of my like motivation for like my character mm-hmm. thing and so that was fun I you, you kind of light up when you talk about her that's why yeah. I was asking <laughs> like it's just she's so good and I love it like she just keeps on getting better and better and better mm-hmm. at first like when she first turned heel I wasn't quite sure how to like take it because like just she I'd only seen her as like baby face like mm-hmm. and so like it took a little bit for me to like adjust but very very big fan of her work now so now okay you're gonna break in the business and where did you break in tell people wrestling school how'd you end up there so i trained with lance storm in the may 2018 session in calgary alberta which is super fun super like intense three months just craziness met a lot of super awesome people and still keeping like at least a little bit of touch with most of them and it's it's fun made some amazing friends that like no bond's never gonna break and it's Mm. it's lots of fun i mean it's pretty renowned that lance storm is considered one of the best trainers in the world so you happen to be near (laughs) one of the best trainers (laughs) and so if you could give us a little insight to lance he seems like he'd be a hard but fair guy, but also approachable. Maybe I'm wrong yeah, how you describe it's, him. But. He's definitely, like, very intimidating. Very intimidating off the mm-hmm. bat. But, like, once you, like, get past, like, it's just his face. He just, like, <laughs> he looks scary. That's just what it is. It's not. <laughs> um, he's very, very nice. Very funny. Like, yeah. always had us, like, laughing at least once or twice or lots during training very helpful he took a lot of time and really like wanted to make sure everything was like perfect with everybody and like really pushed even the people who maybe weren't getting it as quickly to try and like get there and then they were able to get there and it was 
-hmm. it's a lot of fun it was a lot of fun it was really hard but it was it was definitely like very fair and just like you could tell that like he was super invested in trying to make us as good as we can especially with the short amount of time that we had with him because it was mm -hmm. only for 12 weeks and just five days a week and just like three-ish mm -hmm. hours a day so he seems like a protective dad yeah very yeah. much very yeah. much yeah <laughs> besides you know lance everything too has there been some other people you would say you want to give credit to who are helping you so far in this process yes definitely michael richard blaze who works here in alberta he's amazing uh after lance's uh, about a year later uh force pro wrestling opened up a wrestling school here in edmonton and i started training with them and under michael and just crazy amount of knowledge like Mm -hmm. just insane i'm and then so force pro closed in february this year and then in june top talent pro wrestling opened up and so michael moved over to there and also uh under the guidance of heavy metal who also works out here in alberta yep. and with them just crazy amount of like strides being made i'm a totally different wrestler after training with michael and metal but especially Michael, than I was, could have ever thought that I was going to be. And so cannot give him enough credit to <laughs> my wrestling. Well, I think it's great just from talking to you. you. Obviously, I mean, you're very new to this still, but you still have a lot of enthusiasm, it seems, and you're very passionate about this. So that's super cool. One of the things I want to ask you, I like to ask people, especially when you're just starting, is what would you say is a harder aspect to grasp right now? The physical in-ring or the mic? The mic for me, um, I find promos like really difficult just to like even just formulate words almost mm -hmm. but, like I know where I want to go, but I don't know how to get to where I want to go is a lot of my issue. Also, I get like very, very nervous anytime I have to talk. And so like at training and stuff, we'll do like just like little like training matches, but then we'll have to cut a promo before it. And then mm. because really don't like doing them as much as I <laughs> know that I should right, 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 right. get better at them. It'll delay us like a good 20 minutes in order for me to get a promo out just because like I, I like, it'll be like, I have an idea, like I'm prepared to have to cut a promo. And then it's like, Zoe, you're up. And it's like, <laughs> everything that I thought is just gone out of my head. And just <laughs> mind goes blank. I've been there. <laughs> um, that's a life thing sometimes. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, I will say as uh, some life advice, not even wrestling, one thing I've learned the older I got is embrace the uncomfortableness and just jump into it, right? It's hard. It takes yeah, reps. It's very, very ultimately, hard. right? Yeah. Yeah. But, one thing yeah. that also helped is Thaddeus Archer. He does like an arch report for uh, Prairie Wrestling Alliance. Um, and yes. it's just like in the backstage bits of the promotion in a bit and he gets me t to do promos lots on that show just to help with the show and also like it really helps when it's I find on video when it's you can have as many takes as you want it's mm -hmm. a little bit less pressure than say you're in the ring and then you mess up and <laughs> yeah, yeah and then you have to you can't start over we're live, pal, but... <laughs> I use that all the time. God bless you. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I'll tease you. Yeah, I co-host all the time. But anyway, you know, a funny story. I uh, saw this, but this was more about the in-ring. Uh, Kevin Owens told a story once. The first day he went to a wrestling school, I think. I think it was Kevin when he was younger. And it just hurt so bad that the ring they were working on, especially to an older ring, he could not do it. And he thought about quitting after all this. And then he went home and I think he found like these softer, like almost like mattresses. So he put like this little ring together and he was practicing all the moves, taking all the, so he got more comfortable with it. And then when he went back, he at least had that kind of edge a little bit. Yeah. That sounds like not a lot of fun. No, <laughs> no. Mattresses are not, bumping is not, <laughs> not fun. <laughs> Yeah, some of the old school guys I talked to too, especially you hear some of the rings they worked on. It's oh, yeah. <coughs> quite scary. You know what? I got to be honest. You sound like such a natural baby face. Have you played a heel though? I have. I was fortunate enough to do um, a Tony Candela tour ah. in 2019. Um, and on that tour, I was heel all the way mm. through. And that was 
it was different because that was the first time I had ever worked heel um, mm-hmm. up until that point, and I was only six months in. And luckily, the girl who I was working with, Kat Von Hees, she's been in the business for a long time, and she's who I've been working with up until that point. And so because I was with her, somebody who I was comfortable with, I was able to like almost learn, not even almost, learn a lot from just mm. trial and error, especially... And then there are other two girls. Sexy Samantha is an awesome heel. And so I just like followed her and watched her matches a lot and just tried to like pick it up as I went in the short two weeks, as well as like a couple little spot shows um, just when they need a heel. And, and so I've done that and it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to lie. Yeah, I was going to ask you, it seemed like you really kind of enjoy playing the heel though, huh? Yeah, it, it is. It's different i find i have fun playing babyface and heel but mm. i find i'm able to have like it's more like an open sense of fun and just like there's no worries with being a heel because if i mess up as long mm. as i don't show my like make a face say, like telling that i messed up people aren't gonna know because i'm not right. doing a whole lot right and so it's fun and all the people that i've being heels for are awesome baby faces and so it makes mm. it really easy <laughs> sure yeah absolutely now actually um i don't know if you I, I was told i think it was ricky mortensen one of the things about being a great baby face is one of the things you can do is like you try to find somebody in the crowd to connect with so like when there's a spot and they're beating you down you try to like look like you're reaching out to them almost yeah. you ever like do you study old stuff like that is that something like that helps or i don't study that specifically i look i've had recently just with training a lot more than i have had shows i'm finding that i'm not selling the same way as i was on a show which i need to stop doing and so like i'm more so looking to see like how they sell certain things in order to be in like difference in the different situations and why they're doing it in different situations if it's for the crowd if it's for camera angles if it's just that's how they sell it and just trying to figure out like they do this let me try that and see if it like vibes with me and continue doing that sort of thing and just trying a bunch of different little things and is mostly what i'm looking for now when i'm trying to study things just just looking for like the little things that most people wouldn't notice is a lot that even like fans who don't know in the back of their head they know because like the people who are really good they do this they just don't know right (laughs) sort of things yeah, no, that's interesting. So obviously, you know, you're in this process, you know, you're learning a lot of stuff. Now we're COVID hits. Yes. And kind of slows things down a lot. Have you been doing any like empty arena shows at all too? Have you doing have you just done shows with small fans? What's been going on now with this? Going so on? I did one empty arena show that we filmed like right like right before everything shut down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but then since that I haven't had a show. So that was filmed in April, I want to say, um, yep. and since then I haven't done shows, which has sucked. Just there have been a couple of shows running, uh, like one promotion's been running in the city consistently, or was up until like super hard restrictions came down here in Alberta, and then there was another promotion who was coming in and out. I chose just like personal reasons, just with I wasn't super sure how shows were going to go, and so I chose to opt out of doing any shows that I was offered just through the pandemic and just, sure. just, just to be cautious. I have like, I was training up until the hard restrictions and our training building had to close. I was training every single day mm. in the gym and in the ring. And so trying to do that and just trying to keep sane and trying to learn as much as I can and trying to almost lose just try to learn how to like work properly um, without having fans there and making it be able to stay have the same caliber caliber matches as I was having in front of fans and even better without the fans Mm. and so like and then trying to remember like oh with fans like it'll be even better because there'll be a reaction Mm. and that sort of thing yeah I say take a positive out of a negative right I mean you're getting more rips behind the scenes training at least a little more and even the small time working in front of no fans will hopefully sharpen you by the time it comes back to, you know. Crossed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to all be, you know, unfortunately, yeah, you're going to probably yes. 
get back out there. But I mean, hey, whatever. It's all part of the learning process. And you're going to have the distinction of learning at one of the most probably unique times ever in the yes. wrestling business. I'm not excited to have the nerves of being on shows again, but mm-hmm. be- <laughs> so that first couple of shows back is going to be like starting first show back, <laughs> first show ever. It's going to be going to be interesting now did you ever do anything performance wise before the wrestling business like any kind of drama or anything i did drama for like two years in like middle school and mm-hmm. high school but then ended up dropping it because i didn't want to do a project and so i wouldn't necessarily count that just because it's been so long ago so not really no no okay nothing yeah. that was like you felt really prepared you for this then. this is something no I, I like even when i signed up for lances i knew it would was in and then like two months before one of the promotions or one of the schools in Edmonton had like a mini camp and I'm like oh maybe I'll go to that because I know I'm gonna do it just kind of like see what Mm -hmm. I'm getting into before I actually like drive down to Calgary after but then I didn't end up making it because I went to a live event (laughs) (laughs) yeah now, one of the other things I'm just curious about I mean you're still new have you been fortunate enough to avoid any injuries yet or have you had I haven't had any, like, major injuries at all. Um, like, one concussion okay. and a couple of broken noses, but that's mm-hmm. about it. <laughs> well, that's not bad. I mean, that's no. not bad. Most of them are on me, so it's, actually <laughs> all of them, I think, were on me, so it's fine. <laughs> that's probably how it happened. Now, is character development something you're still, like, probably working on right now at this point? A little bit, yeah. Trying to, like, I kind of, like, went through, like, a little bit of, like, an evolution just with like who I was as a person mm-hmm. coming into the wrestling business. I was very, very quiet, very, very shy for my first like year in wrestling. And it took a long time for me to like op- open up even to like other wrestlers. Um, yeah. And so once that started to happen, like my character started to change a little bit just because I changed I'm just a little bit more confident, a little bit different. I'm thinking of maybe full not even fully changing it up but more so once shows are back don't know what it'll be but we'll see i'm more so just kind of want to be me yeah i mean i you know i was talking to uh wrestlers even a few comedians recently and uh one thing common with uh comedians and wrestlers both will say that the best characters or in comedians case the best acts are all extensions of yourself so yeah trying to find yourself sometime can probably be like the challenging part but yes yeah, yeah. yes it's very difficult <laughs> yeah I, I believe it yeah i would say i mean one thing i'm sure you probably know is just um you know right now when you're in that struggling phase learning it seems like no matter what the field you can gain a lot of respect and you can win people over with hard work and a good attitude it's amazing yes. how well that goes you know so for sure i'm sure you, have you worked with anybody you don't have to name names but have you seen people where you're like oh <laughs> like probably shouldn't have said that or you know like any bad attitude um, you've been fortunate i i've seen a little bit i tried to like distance myself from that sure. sort of stuff just because i don't know it makes me feel weird being around it and it's almost like i'm being associated with it even though it's not necessarily me I, i've seen a couple of people especially like when it comes to training things and mm-hmm. it's just like oh maybe like don't yeah. and like on the same hand like i've had days where it's just like i can't and sometimes i will end up acting like saying things in a way that i shouldn't or just saying things that i shouldn't and sometimes it's just like it's very it's a very hard business to be in sure. and so sometimes like you got to take things with a grain of salt which yeah. can be difficult it's just when those people like are constantly and constantly doing it and it's like mm. maybe don't <laughs> yeah i imagine you got to develop thick skin sometimes yes. yeah yeah i understand that <laughs> i got red hair and allergies when i was a kid <laughs> so you know developing thick skin <laughs> you know you learn and it's a good yes. it's a good trait in life believe me what about uh promotion do you have any merch is there anything uh you're working on or how's that go i I don't have any merch. I was looking at like looking into getting some mm-hmm. like right before the pandemic and then the pandemic hit and just kind of fell to the wayside a little bit. So I don't have any merch personally. I know like our school has like our training school has merch and that's mm-hmm. what's 
kind of paying the bills at the moment for our wrestling school, which just while we're not able to do it. Um, yeah. Right now, I work primarily for a promotion, uh, Prairie Wrestling Alliance here in Alberta. That's pretty much my home. I'll also go out to uh, Prairie Pro Wrestling in Saskatchewan fairly often when they're running shows. I've done a couple of shows for Real Canadian Wrestling just on the like outlying towns and cities in Edmonton. I've worked for Canadians rest, Canada's Wrestling Elite based in Winnipeg, but then they tour around a lot. So mm. those are like the main ones that I've worked for so far. Hopefully I'll get more. Uh, in the, yeah. It'll be fun. I mean, there's a vaccine out and hopefully yes. things are going to start <laughs> opening up more. And uh, I think it's realistic to think that, you know, unless something takes a wild turn, we should be looking at uh, hopefully more filled arenas uh, this hopefully. year. Yes. Hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully. One other thing I want to ask you now, you've had uh, – Obviously, you're very young in your career, but have you had any intergender matches yet? I have. Actually, in uh, Prairie Pro Wrestling, that's all I do. I'm the only female on the roster. But I've been... I love it. I, yeah. Some, a lot of my best matches are intergendered matches. And, yeah, it's just... It's so much fun. You can do so much more. Not even so much more with them, but you can do a lot with them that you can't always do with women. It's, some of my favorite matches are with uh, Jack Pride. Just awesome. Mm -hmm. Just from the first match that we had, just went perfect. And it was one of those, like, calm before the matches that I get very, very rarely. But I know, like, it's going to go off without a hitch when it happens. Just, like, I'm only nervous because, like, I'm not nervous sort of thing. Right. It's, it's lots of fun. Yeah. Actually, and, you know, funny uh, side note, I think I was telling you off. Before we did this, I had interviewed another young uh, Canadian female wrestler, and I asked her the same question about intergender wrestling. And she's probably maybe just a little bit ahead of you, three, four years. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, she said the same thing. Her favorite matches so far have been the intergender matches and stuff like that. So Yeah. Just, it's, it's a lot of fun. What, I was able to have a match with my trainer, like, really on into him training me. So, like, I d didn't really know him at that time. Now we're, like, super good friends. And it's, it was my, no, it wasn't my first intergender match. I'm lying. But, <laughs> like, I had that match. And, like, it was the first match where I realized, oh, I can do this. Like, yeah. I can do all this crazy thing, all these crazy things. Like, mm -hmm. this is how you structure, like, a complicated match. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's just, I was doing it, thinking of it wrong the whole time. <laughs> it's just. It was a lot of fun. That's great. Yeah, I know. That's one of the things I always tell people is like, uh, especially the older I get, the more I realize I didn't know because you start learning different ways to do different yeah. things. Yeah, that's fun. Find it like watch it, watching back matches like now, like after like learning so much at training, I'm like, I thought this was good. <laughs> I can't, like, <laughs> in what world, like. <laughs> doing that wrong doing that wrong well you have a great attitude i wish you nothing but luck what about uh anything you want to promote social media or any maybe even a possible events if anything's coming up no events that i know of and social media you can find me on instagram at zoe underscore sager and then at twitter at sager zoe because somebody stole my username on one of whichever <laughs> one we wanted to say all right well, thank you for doing the show. I appreciate thank it. Thank you for having me. Fans, welcome back for another week of the 531. Damn, we sound silky smooth, brother. We got uh -oh. songs back. We don't got no stock intros. We made it, baby. We're back in the big leagues, baby. And it's going to be Ladies Day on 531. <laughs> so all you nasty ladies out there getting ready. <laughs> we got a top five women's matches of all time. Now, I think Rob Dolly might be happiest about this is now that we got the soundboard back, we'll be doing better intros. You won't be hearing the same old shit. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, Dave, you got us some ladies interviews this week. So you wanted to yeah. do a 5-3-1 on top women's matches, and I'd say we got a pretty good response back. Yeah, baby, we're ready to kick this off, man. I mean, 
It was interesting because some people struggled with this list. Like, I talked to a few people, like, they said they're going to get back to me. They never did because they're like, I don't know, man. There's a lot of good matches there. I don't know where to begin, you know? I think a lot of the problem, too, is a lot of the top-notch ladies' matches are more recent. Like, yeah. there's been a ton within the last five years, and that's where mm-hmm. I think a lot of the responses are going to come. We're going to get some older ones, right. but, I mean, just the women's revolution that WWE's had and yeah. what the indies have done for women's wrestling have upped the stock of it considerably, I think. I 1,000% agree with you. No, I actually was thinking about this the other day kind of randomly, how when I think about my favorite time in pro wrestling, it's usually a while ago. It's like the 80s, it's the 90s. That's one of my best stuff. But when I think about my favorite women's matches specifically, most of it is all recently because women's wrestling got a lot better than last Yeah, it didn't make my list, but I was watching a Sherry Martel versus Candy Divine match from AWA, and it's just that was one of the rare good ladies' matches in the 80s. I think women's wrestling had to get over that stink in the 80s of glow and still being treated almost as like an addition onto the shows, sort of like how midget wrestling or like bringing in Andre the Giant was more of an attraction. 100%. I will say this, though. It's funny because if you look at one of the criticism of people, like we'll say Disco Inferno, yeah, there's like a lot of modern wrestlers. People talk about how they don't throw good punches. It doesn't look like a fight as much. Now, I will say this. Women's wrestling is so much better now because it's gotten so much more athletic and they get more time and there's better stories. But I bet if you go back and you watch that Terry Martel, Katie Devine match you're talking about, that thing probably looks like a fight. Because I remember Terry Martel and Dusty Moore and some of those girls back in the heyday, they looked like they were punching a hole in your chest and they were picking you up by your hair. It looked like they were going to like rip it out of your skull. Yeah, getting to see any of those old Sherry Martel matches, it reminds you that she's so much more than just the valet we saw for a while. Oh, yeah. Now, the first list I got here is from Sid Douglas. He's got Trish Stratish versus Charlotte Flair, Evolution 2019. Mm. Alundra Blaze versus Bull Nakano, Raw after SummerSlam in 94. He's got Elimination Chamber 2019. He just said Shayna destroys everybody. Gail Kim versus Awesome Kong, Final Resolution uh, 2008. And then Megumi Kudo versus Shark Suchiga, No Rope Exploding Barbed Wire Match. Holy shit. (laughs) That's stuff you don't hear about every day. No, I'm going to have to look Uh, that up because that sounds like it'd be a hell of a match. What was the impact what you had there? Awesome Kong and Gail Kim? Yep. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't notice them when I had a list like that. And in retrospect, TNA knockout positions probably should have made more lists. I will say the issue with that might be that TNA wasn't as exposed as well during the time of some of this stuff here. No, there's definitely there's one other TNA match that I see or impact match. And that's due to, I think, a recent revamp in not only their knockouts division, but also a little bit of the exposure they're getting. And maybe the people running the show right now. Before I get to my list, I want to include a text I got from Scott when I asked him about this. Old Scott from Bonnetown. He wrote, Bailey versus Bank, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, five times. And then we had a little answer back and forth. When he basically said to me, he said, I'm sticking with my answer. I almost gave an honorable mention and shout out to Sexy Star versus, oh, you can help me out with this name, it's Lucha Underground, Mariposa? Mariposa, yep. Mariposa, okay. But I quit, but I think Bailey and Sasha was the only woman's match that had me feeling actual emotions and watching it live. So, before I read my list, I just want to bring that up because that's an interesting quote because obviously the women's wrestling has really come on strong the last few years, but without the proper storytelling, sometimes it's hard to get emotionally invested in that match. And one thing I thought about that Brooklyn match, we'll talk more about in the end, I'm sure. They did such a great job with video packages leading up to it and really just telling that story. Yeah, I was there with Scott, too, so I can attest to that. And that was a hell of a match. You'll hear it on my list, definitely. Sexy Star versus Mariposa. Mariposa played by cheerleader Melissa, a well-known indie wrestler. Hell of a match. Uh, Sexy Star, also a boxer and an MMA fighter. So it's good to see those other fight styles making that inroad to ladies wrestling as well. 
Now, I want to read off Mikey and Fred's list first for Facebook because something interesting I noticed compared to that first list you mentioned. Um, he also had a London Blaze versus Bull Matano, SummerSlam 94, which I was surprised to see that make multiple lists now. Well, it was good that. Well, he had the Raw after SummerSlam, Sid Douglas. Oh, we did. Okay, yeah. Still, right. I mean, good still right. good series of yeah. matches. Yeah, it was. Now, to get to the rest of his list, though, he had Chris versus Lita 2004. I believe that might have been when they headlined Raw. Sasha versus Bailey, take over Brooklyn. And Chris versus Mickey James, Mania 22. And Charlotte versus Becky versus Rousey, WrestleMania 35. Now, I think for historical significance, it's a very good match to be included. I don't know in terms of, it wasn't a bad match, but like a lot of these other matches I find a little more exciting. But when you talk about this historical significance, it's kind of hard to trump that match. Yeah, I think historical significance has to play into it just because of this is the age where women's wrestling is finally getting its due. And even if it's not the greatest match, it is a great match for that reason. So it's kind of maybe the work rate wasn't necessarily where you'd look, but the storytelling puts it over the top, I would say. Yeah, and I mean, it's hard when you're dealing with three ways. And also, I believe this is where Ronda has hurt her hand in the middle of the match, too. But yeah, style performance and the historical aspect of it is true to face. The next list I got is from Jesse from New Hampshire. He's got Lita versus Trish, Raw 12-6-0-4, so that must be the headlining night. Trish versus Victoria, Survivor Series 02. Trish versus Mickey James, WrestleMania 22. Charlotte versus Ripley, WrestleMania 36. And Ooh. Charlotte versus Becky versus Sasha, WrestleMania 32. Interesting that uh, Charlotte and Ripley made it on that list, too. Very recent to see Ray Ripley on this list. I think that match really did a lot, and I mean... It was a chance for what at the time it was the NXT women's champ going up against Charlotte, and that yeah. was a also, big look. Also, Mickey and Trish made his list as well as Mikey and Fred's list that WrestleMania 22 match. So <clears throat> that match uh, gets them interested. Now, now that match is interesting too because that's a, a match that forever is edited on WrestleMania because that's the one where they were doing where Mickey was like obsessed with Trish, it was kind of a stalker, and then a match. And there's a part where Mickey is like kind of grabbing her in her uh, lower region, we'll say. Mm. And uh, this is the part that's been edited, though. Like, Trish kind of, you know, backs away, like all shocked. But then Mickey looks at the camera and licks her hand. It's like, well, no longer. You can find it on YouTube. It's there. <laughs> but yeah, you can't. It's actually edited out on all of WWE home video stuff. So, yeah, Makes there. sense. Yeah. I'll go with my next list. I got Mike Flynn. He's always got list for us. He's got Charlotte versus Natty takeover. Probably the first takeover, I think, too. Asuka and Amber Moon, another takeover. Becky versus Charlotte versus Asuka, TLC. Sasha versus Bailey, Hell in a Cell. And Charlotte versus Becky, Evolution. <laughs> he added to me, admittedly, I never seek out women's wrestling. If it's on a show, I'll watch, and I often really enjoy it, but it's definitely very low on my second order for better or worse. Like, you know, you know so I'm sorry if that offends anyone. You know, he's not trying to offend anyone. But uh, he said, but it's one of the few things WWE has done better in recent years. I still don't understand, though, why Vince and most women wrestle with their hair down. It's a small thing, but it drives me insane. No other sport does a woman have that in. So I thought that was interesting commentary, you know, like, like and then obviously in a sport, yeah, you're going to probably see most women with their hair up like an MMA fight, boxing, but wrestling, I think, obviously, we're, you know, whether people are you're still trying to sell, we're still trying to, like, entertain, and a lot of these girls, you know, are kind of putting out, like, a look, a model-like performance as well. Yeah. It... I mean, I wouldn't say he would really be offending anyone with that comment, because... I mean, it wasn't until lately that women's wrestling has almost been appointment viewing. Since the women's revolution and, like, what we talked about with the indies really put it over, it was always kind of like a sideshow thing. And now it's... Mm -hmm. I mean, I think they deserve more ladies-only pay-per-views. You've got women's-only promotions, Shine, Shimmer, that people check out. That's where a lot of this quality ladies' content is coming from. I think it's just going to take 
a couple more evolution pay-per-views to make it as front and center as it should be. I think you I could agree. do a ladies show, but like AJ has said before, he doesn't think there should be a PWI ladies 100. They should just be lumped in with the 500. I agree, but I also think Women's Evolution was one of my favorite pay-per-view events from a couple years ago. Yeah, it was definitely something. Now, I think what I liked about it too was it broke up the staleness, like because the men are so exposed, the storyline so exposed. One thing about the women's pay-per-view was you had different matches with focus on it, and you brought in different people from different you know brands and brought back past talent. It was such a fresh concept, especially when we do it once a year. And now that it hasn't been done for a couple of years, I kind of hope they bring it back. I'd like to see them give the roster, you know, some of the roster reps that let their storylines breathe and maybe put the focus on the woman just for one month. I mean, I know at some point our goal is just to get everything integrated, but honestly, I don't know. It, it, it freshens up the show a lot to me when they do something like that. Definitely. Now, the next list I have is from Zach St. John. He's got Bailey versus Sasha, Brooklyn Takeover. Asuka versus Ember Moon, Brooklyn 2017. Charlotte versus Natalia, Takeover 2014. Asuka versus Bailey, Brooklyn 2016. And Charlotte versus Becky, Evolution. Mm. Yeah, Charlotte and Becky from Evolution. And that Sasha Bailey match are making a lot of lists here, is what I'm noticing. Definitely. And. On top of that, just Brooklyn takeovers and takeovers in general are featuring featuring a lot of lists. So that says something about NXT's contribution to this ladies' revolution. They kicked it off. I mean, really. I mean, the main roster was not doing it, really. It was like Triple H and the NXT brand that was really setting the standard for women's wrestling until all the girls came up. With, well, they brought up three or four initially. And if you remember, that was all after they put some five-minute or three-minute match on Raw with, I want to say, one of the Bella Twins and somebody, and there was a big hashtag Give Divas a Chance movement. And that's when, you know, it was like almost a week or two after we had, like, what, Sasha, Charlotte, and let's say Becky all up at the same time. With now, I don't know if this was exactly in 2015, but me and my brother went to the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, and then we went to the Raw the next night, and I almost think that the Give Divas a Chance movement might have started there or that was where one of the early videos was and it was just wild to be there at a moment like that. Well, I will say this, that TakeOver Brooklyn match, Sasha was already on the roster. She came back for that match. That was part of the story. And that was 2015. Wow. Now, I'm going to get to Randy. Randy Ozka, he's got a list. Joe's not going to be surprised if he kicks off his list with it, but I'm ready for the last thought. Tessa versus Sammy. No. Tessa versus Mercedes Martinez, Iron Woman match, Rise, Ten, and Sanity, all right? Gail Kim versus Aaron Terrell, last knockout standing match, TNA Slammiversary 2013, Paige versus Emma, NXT Women's Championship match at NXT Arrival, Sasha Banks versus Bailey, NXT Women's Championship match from TakeOver Brooklyn 2015, and then Tessa Blanchard versus Gail Kim, Impact Wrestling Rebellion 2019. Randy might have gave us the most in-depth list here out of everybody so far. So props to Randy. He also, when I told him, I have, I told him I appreciate your list and you're coming through, Randy, because he always comes through with us. He said, yeah, it's a tough list. Those are the matches that meant to me. I'm assuming that most, but yeah. So. And it's a little surprising that there weren't too many WWE matches. Like, I Impact stuck out a lot more on that list to me. Yeah, you can tell Randy is a huge fan of women's wrestling. Like, this is definitely where, uh, you know, his heart lies. Definitely. He, it it was almost the variety of lists that I feel like AJ might have, you know, mm-hmm. trying to get something from a promotion like Rise and paying attention to the knockouts division because I don't think they're going to be highlighted on necessarily a ton of lists. And mm-hmm. their except contribution for, uh, to women's wrestling is huge. Except for AJ, AJ would have Googled the list about five minutes before we started. And Randy knows himself genuine. <laughs> Shout out to AJ, who was probably listening to this. <laughs> I want to drop. Yeah, did, did AJ give us a list? Uh, he did not. Well, I asked him last night before recording, and we were supposed to talk about it again. And you know, that has not happened yet. Behind the scenes, me and AJ are working something for the podcast today, and hopefully we'll come through. But it hasn't. Uh, we're in the midst of it right now, but so I've not got my list. Sure yeah, we're not going to bring up the name of it because we don't want the fans to get their hopes up. But, but we'll know soon enough. Yeah, I was going to oh, say. 
<laughs> You'll tell by the tone of the wrestling interviews how it went. I'm going to bring yeah. you my list next. I've got <laughs> Bailey versus Sasha take over Brooklyn. Deanna yeah. Perrazzo versus Jordan Grace, 30-minute Iron Woman match. Sasha versus Charlotte, the first women's Hell in a Cell. Charlotte versus Bailey versus Sasha, WrestleMania 32. And I got Charlotte versus Rhea Ripley, WrestleMania 36. My man, I like that you included Perrazzo and Grace in that uh, 30-woman Iron Man match there. Something recent. Yeah, I was very excited for it when it was announced, and I had to go back to watch it this morning, and I think I enjoyed it just as much as the first time I saw it. She's really shining in impact. It's funny. NXT does such a, such, such a good job with wrestlers, especially female wrestlers, but one that they dropped the ball on was Peraza. I don't feel like they showcased her enough well there at all, and then here she is an impact now, making the stride that she is. Yeah, wrestler of the year for impact, and I believe knockout of the year for impact, so that's pretty impressive. For her, all right. I'm gonna close this down. Then, my man, I also got Bailey versus Banks from Brooklyn Takeover. I also got Bailey versus Banks from the rematch they did, the Iron Woman match. Uh, I believe it was in Houston after that, at the next takeover. That that's was awesome. Where, yeah, that's also the one where uh, Sasha broke up Izzy's sign and actually made Izzy cry in the crowd for that. So, I always remember that. Becky versus Charlotte versus Rousey for historical significance, WrestleMania 35. I felt the need to include that. Becky versus Charlotte in Evolution. I'm kind of surprised how many times Becky made my list. I'm not that she's not a great wrestler, but I don't tend to think of her as like the best matches of all time, you know? But yeah, she made two of my list. And Bailey versus, I'm sorry, not Bailey. Shayna Baszler versus Io Shirai at uh, TakeOver 20 in Bridgeport that we went to, which was just such an exciting atmosphere seeing that match live. Definitely now. Obviously, like you said, Bailey versus Sasha made a lot of lists. Yep. Would you say Charlotte versus Becky made just as many? Charlotte versus Becky versus Sasha? I think Charlotte versus Becky from the Women's Evolution was definitely on point of list. Okay. So I think that has to make uh, there. I feel like I want to reward Randy with something here because he gave us such an in-depth list. I want to throw one of his matches on here, even though I probably just would have put it out. Because <laughs> I think these other two are going to be there. Pick the match uh, that you think has the most strength for an argument, and we'll see if it does get booted out of the top three. The thing is, I didn't see some of these matches, though. He did such a good job going in depth. It's hard to go. You know, I can't include something that I haven't seen, though. That's the problem. So he went really deep on us. I'll just give him a special shout out again. Thank you for including this. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to go a little old school. I'm going to go with a match. I was surprised it made a couple people's list. All right, and you can you can put it you can veto this. Paul Nakano versus Alundra Braves. Either one, I don't care. I'll go to SummerSlam '94. Yeah, I would have. I think that just deserves a place in there for historical significance. It was sure. probably in the deepest of our fandom. Probably the best mm-hmm. ladies match we saw up until yeah. the women's revolution. Unless we were lucky enough to catch like the spare Sherry Martel match, but Alundra Braves versus Bill Nakano. That was here's the thing. I'm just going to boot it anyway, because at the end of the day, like, to me, you know, like, the women's matches we're getting right now in particular, especially when done right, I mean, with the story and everything like that, I mean, WWE does have the marquee talent right now. You know, Impact's got a lot of good talent, but I don't feel like they're profiled enough. You know what I mean? So it's like we're just getting these matches that are on a bigger level, at least right now. That could change in the next few years. But I think Bailey and Sasha Brooklyn and Becky versus Charlotte Evolution are a great semifinals. But to me, man, I think Scott summed this up best at the beginning of the podcast. Scott only gave us one list this week, but what he said, it was a woman's match I got emotionally invested in. I want to add on this. I don't get emotionally invested in a lot of matches anymore. That's one of the things that sucks about getting older when you watch so many stuff. You view things from a different angle. You view things from like, oh, this is entertaining. Oh, I look, why I noticed the crowd not being there, right? I like the whole atmosphere. I like the show. Very seldom do I get lost in something. The only thing I've gotten lost in recent years are Dustin Rhodes versus Cody Rhodes at the first AEW event they did. And now, going back to 2015, that Sasha Bailey match because they told such an amazing story of how Bailey and Sasha were friends, but also Bailey never quite being able to quite do it at the time. 
close and ah, he just can't make it. And it was the real story was being told. And the fans were starving for that match. And they were starving for Bailey to finally get her due. And they told such a great story going back and forth. And eventually Bailey wins. I love it. Yeah, I think that's easily got to be the winner. And Dave, you know what the music means. Bailey versus Sasha, top women's match. If you disagree, find us in the comments. Let us know what you thought stuck out as a ladies' match. But I think it's going to be pretty universal of fans of wrestling nowadays that this will take the top match. So, guys, thank you for joining us for another week of the 531 and the Working Fans Podcast, and we will talk to you later. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So, as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod and then as always please continue to listen to us on anchor.fm google podcast spotify breaker overcast pocket cast radio public all your major platforms if you're following us on apple podcast which we are also on now and youtube please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating it helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week